Truthfully, what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think of the old days, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better, and less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb. Our education systems have mined our minds in the way that we strip mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. So, Emily, Teach Now started in March 2013 with a mere 10 people in eight countries. And as I alluded to earlier, has enrolled over 4,000 candidates in about 130 countries. Apparently, you say this growth is attributable almost exclusively to word of mouth, which, you know, from, I'd say is always the best form of marketing. I really want to go now into how this actually, the Teach Now started. As an entrepreneur, you mentioned earlier you set up the National Centre for Education and, and Information, if I got that right. Then you moved on to create the National Centre for Alternative Certification. The next step would be Teach Now started to, this Teach Now seed started to be watered. Uh, I really want to get into this before 2013, how that came about. Okay, good. Uh, yes, I was still running the National Center for Education Information and the National Center for Alternative Certification. And uh, the latter, National Center for Alternative Certification, had an annual conference on um, alternative teacher certification. And a woman from New Schools Venture Fund, which is based in um, San Francisco, California, and it exists for the sole purpose of discovering entrepreneurs. Um, and then they, they sort of find you, you don't find them. And this woman from that, uh, from New Schools Venture Fund had come to one of our conferences. So in the summer of 2011, out of nowhere, she called me and said, Emily, what are you thinking about doing um, because I really was thinking about semi-retiring and writing novels, literally. In Tuscany. Um, in Tuscany. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. I had done international home exchanges, so I had friends in Tuscany. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> she called, and and I, I said, well, I, I've been thinking about a teacher preparation program that needs to be created. So she came east and on August the 9th of 2011 and sat at my dining room table, which I'm sitting at now. Um, mm -hmm. And we I told her about my grand idea of creating a program that would focus on preparing tomorrow's teachers for tomorrow's students in tomorrow's learning world. And she probed that question further and I talked about the fact that it needed to be digital and so on. Um, and she went back to San Francisco and sent me a letter and asked me to write a one pager 
So I did that. Mm -hmm. And so New Schools Venture Fund in the fall of 2011 gave me $100,000 to pursue this um, dream, actually. It, it really was just a wild dream. So I used that $100,000 to hire a software development company mm-hmm. in Mumbai, India. And you know, Kanali Sangvi works for Teach yeah. Now. Um, and she worked for that software development um, company. So she was the project manager. Okay. And we just, we had... Uh, WebEx meetings, and I would sit on the corner of my couch with these people in Mumbai, India, none of whom um, had I ever met, and just really talked about what this could look like. Um, And Kunali, who is absolutely brilliant, um, fell in love with the idea. And at that time, she was based in um, Piscataway, New Jersey, because her husband is a software engineer vice president for Goldman Sachs. So they were based in New Jersey at the time. So she fell in love with Teach Now and and the idea of it. And so we split her, the software development company and I did. But the first 100,000 was used to contract with them. And then uh, the following summer, I guess it was, they gave me another $150,000. So I went through that whole period of thinking that I needed to raise um, venture capital. But I really hated that process. It was just taking up a lot of time. It was like, yeah. you know, why, why would you do that? Um, so I actually did self-fund it and it bootstrapped it, as they say. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we, so that was, that was the beginning. And we, I brought together uh, 10 or 12 people who were content specialists in teacher preparation. And we, we created the curriculum and Kunali, as you know, is still Teach Now's chief learning officer mm-hmm. and she's brilliant. And without her, um, I don't think it would have ever happened because she's got that kind of brain um, that really is so necessary if you're building content and curriculum from scratch. Um, so she she's really given 99% of the credit for the learning design plan on which TeachNow is based. So, Emily, that's really interesting. The first stage, you know, getting the funding in, as you said, it takes a lot of time. I definitely understand that side of things. It's a huge challenge. Uh, on challenges, though, how, how did it get, though, from that? Um, did, did you start the, your first office in the office that you're in today in D.C.? Or, uh, is no. that the original office? No, no. I started um, Teach Now on my dining room table. What's funny is when you were talking about that, speaking to the the people in Mumbai about the system, it's quite interesting that that really is the very first seeds of actually what the teaching our system is all about, isn't it? When you have a cohort of people all around the world meeting, that really was the start of it. It was there in its essence when you started to put it together, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there was there. I didn't build this um the way a lot of startups do, you know, which is 
which is go out and raise $3 million and hire yeah. 50 people. Um, we really did start it with, with me sitting on the corner of my couch having WebEx meetings with these software developers who, who develop software in e-learning. So they, they were in the education space um, mm -hmm. with, with Canali up there in New Jersey. And Canali would come down like once a week um, and we would talk and work and develop at my dining room table. So the mm -hmm. office downtown didn't happen until 2014, I believe. Yeah, and you've been in that office ever since. That's right. Mm -hmm. So in terms of getting it from when you moved into the D.C. office to where it is now, where you've had over 4,000 people from around the world go through your teacher certification program, Emily, that's a big jump. And if I could ask you one challenge or one real huge challenge that you found and maybe still finding, I don't know, within that process to make that step, what, what would it be? Um, because obviously the challenge, first of all, was the actual infrastructure, the architecture of the, the, the technology that you've used to connect people around the world uh, with this online system. But what, what also has been a big challenge in getting to that stage? Uh, marketing. Um, marketing right. has been a big challenge because the market for Teach Now, I knew existed. I knew that there was a great need for people to have an efficient, anywhere, anytime, uh, highly qualified and credentialed program. So it really wasn't a challenge for me to build that. And it wasn't a challenge to make sure that we got the necessary approvals from state licensing offices and that we got national accreditation. As you know, we're accredited by the Distance Education Accrediting Commission. We're on the US Department of Education's list of accredited institutions of higher education. So those things, without them, Teach Now would not be as successful as it is. But those were not the biggest challenges. The biggest challenge has been, how do you make this program known to the whole world. And I've mm. had marketing directors and I've hired people to take on that challenge. And it's, it's still its biggest challenge because the program is so good. I mean, all of the statistics speak for themselves. Um, those first 10 people in eight countries who started on March 18th of 2013 are still in touch with each other. Um, mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, all but one of them uh, is still teaching or is a school administrator. So right. our the data of our of our candidates and graduates is just it, it just knocks all the competition off the map. Uh, we mm -hmm. still have ninety two percent retention rate. Um, we have graduates who stay in teaching for years and years, which is really unheard of in the industry of teaching. There's a lot of turnover in teaching, but mm. Teach Now graduates really are committed to teaching. Um, so the, the biggest challenge has always been, how do you get it known 
um, all over the world. And I, as I, I said earlier, reading off one of the articles about Teach Now, it's really almost exclusively well, it says here, if it's right or wrong, you, you're the main person that can tell us. It has been through word of mouth. From my experience, Emily, I mean, I must have, I could count at least 10 people, uh, teachers or wannabe teachers that I've told about the Teach Now program <laughs> since I've done it, that have gone on to do it. So would you think right. it is word of mouth? Oh, it is. I yeah. 95% of Teach Now's growth is word of mouth. Uh, when we do, if you recall the first session, the orientation session, and I still try to do mm -hmm. most all of those because I want to meet the people who mm -hmm. come to teach now. And one of the questions that we ask them to address in introducing themselves is, why did you choose teach now? How did you hear about it? And why mm -hmm. did you choose it? And if you remember the question before that is, what do you expect of teach now? Because mm -hmm. this program is really built for the people who go through it that we call them candidates not students um, and the program is totally candidate driven what what the people who pay tuition and come in to teach now for is what we intend to deliver so we ask that question we ask them to tell us you know why are you here what do you expect? What do you want to get out of this program? And then the last question is, how did you hear about us? And um, why did you choose Teach Now? And nine and a half out of 10 people, I say nine and a half because the cohorts are odd sizes like 12 or 13 or 15. Mm -hmm. So nine and a half out of 10 people answer that question with um, somebody told me about it. Another yeah. teacher in the school went with it, went through it, or the school had, or my mother, you know, knows somebody who went through it. You know, it's it's always word of mouth. It's very rarely I heard about it or looked it up on the internet, and there you were. Um, so mm -hmm. it it's interesting. And and that 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 kind of differentiation you make between. A teach, now, a teach Now candidate and a Teach Now student. Can you just elaborate on that? Well, um, when I hear the word student, and keep in mind I am an old lady, uh, I think of somebody <laughs> sitting in a desk being talked right. to. Um, yeah, yeah. And candidate are, are people who are in Teach Now really are candidates for... Mm. A teaching license. I mean, we know yeah. that like most of the people who come to teach now either need or want a legitimate license or certificate or credential. All three of those words mean the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. Either be particularly abroad because that credential enables them to get a better job that pays more often or that has um, a curriculum that they're interested in teaching. So that that whole needing a teaching license or a teaching certificate is foremost in our minds. And so people are really candidates in that context. I to totally understand. Yeah, and agree as well, actually. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, on your website, 
if someone wants to sign up to teach now they go to your website and uh, they go to the application form and they fill some information in i noticed and i i wanted to to give you a test on this because maybe you don't really know anymore i don't know it's grown so big but um there's a button at the at the bottom you know where you'd say press enter or something to move to the next page and it says there's a button and it says make history uh, and that takes you to the registration or the sign up page um do you know about that um not really (laughs) (laughs) it says make history Uh, well well well, this is it you see this is how a proficient we are at really digging deep in china jedi um we scroll through everything like meticulous detectives of truth and um Mm -hmm. and when you press the go to make history it goes to the bit where clearly I, i guess what you're saying is you're making history by applying to become a candidate on the Teach Now program. But even right. if you didn't know it was there, it's saying a lot about what you've said earlier. And, and I mean, Absolutely. would you say that, yeah, we are the candidates and graduates making history in a sense, Emily, in, in the world of education? Absolutely. And Teach mm. Now probably is the largest teacher preparation program in the world uh, in mm. terms of, the numbers of people going through it at the same time. Um, I know in the United States that there are a few institutions of higher education that have over 1,500 people enrolled at one time, but they're few and far between. On that note, what I really want to ask you is being the big boss, the CEO, the creator, the founder of this program, Emily, is it's a lot easier to look after, let's use the analogy of a classroom, uh, five children uh, in a classroom than it is 4,000. And as you've grown substantially over the years, because, you know, you guys only started, what, 2014, right? Yeah. So in those few years, these five, six years, you've gone so fast in your growth. How are you managing this just burst of um, demand Uh, how how are you is it something that you're not worrying but you're constantly conscious of um, when you're walking three dogs for example how to keep a leash around this because you know you've seen it so many times in in in, you know you do business studies and that in case studies of companies that have grown too big too fast and they lose that essence of of what was beautiful at the beginning and other things come up around them and, and and take the mantle uh it really chris has not been that hard to manage because the Delivery of Teach Now, first of all, the platform, the software is really solid. But the delivery of the program is around that cohort of candidates. So as far as Teach Now is concerned, the the only essence, the only thing that really matters is those that cohort of 10 to 15 people and making sure that you have instructors as they go through the program who are, who also understand and buy into the mission and the the uh, goals that we have for Teach Now in terms of the way we train teachers. Um, so all you really have to have is enough instructors who are mm. trained and buy in 
to deliver because the the delivery is that group of 10 to 15 people. And so if you have one group of them, like we did in 2013, or you have 500 of them, mm-hmm. um, it the delivery doesn't change. And as far as the student, the candidate is concerned, nothing is different. They don't know that there are 300 cohorts going on. They just right. know the one they're in. Um, so it's, it's actually quite manageable. It's just what you have to do to keep it working well is you just keep reproducing it. it but, but the unit is the, the delivery unit is what matters most. And yeah. the administration of that is, could be done by robots. I mean, a yes. lot of what we do in Teach Now is automated. It, it doesn't require um, a whole lot of new people. It requires a system that, that is a finely tuned um, software system. Like our admissions is a good example because what we do is we set up on the platform um, for incoming people these times and days of the week that we know work for people so that mm-hmm. when a person applies and gets accepted within 72 hours or rejected, um, but when they get accepted, they're automatically taken to a place on the platform where they sign up for the cohort that they want to be in. And the way cohorts are established in Teach Now is by time availability of the candidates who are coming into the program. So they choose, you know, I want to, I want to meet at 8 a.m. Um, and, and they're in China on Tuesday. So that's what they mm-hmm. sign up for. Or I want to meet at 10 p.m. on Sunday. So that, and we know where the applicants are. So we know what times and days of the week are most convenient for people, but but that's all automated and easily done. Yeah, and I and I think you said it earlier that why it's such a clever system is that, like you said, as long as you've got that fundamental core, which is the the, the technology platform there, able to be dynamic, able to shift with the changing of education and new things coming in, be able to slot those into the the modules. Um, you can just replicate and replicate and replicate and you can have, as you said, 300 cohorts, 600 cohorts, wherever. Um, mm-hmm. But but I mean, looking at this, I think w- the importance here, is it not, is in the module instructors, Emily, because if you don't have a good model instru- module instructor, that could really right. lose the the essential effectiveness of that of the group of that organic group the cohort that are collaborating and and right. so how do you i'm sure you must pay special attention to that you've obviously had to train a lot more module instructors right and is that right. a process i guess you've almost got a sub school within your school of graduate education now where you actually are training the instructors would that be true absolutely and every time that we put um, an ad out for instructors, we get within a week, 200 applicants. Um, wow. So we're never wanting for people who mm. want to be 
an instructor in Teach Now. Uh, I'm very favorable to hiring our own graduates as instructors because they've mm. been through the program. They've already made a decision to learn the way um, we deliver this program. But we, we keep adding instructors, and you're absolutely right. We're very, very careful about who we hire, and we do train our instructors and instructors have to have at least a master's degree. They have to have at least three years of exemplary teaching experience themselves in a classroom, not in a university, but in a classroom. And hopefully um, more and more of them are, are have both uh, higher ed experience and um, K-12 classroom experience, but they have to have experience teaching. They have to be proficient in online learning. So to become an instructor in Teach Now, uh, you, you have to really already be experienced and competent in uh, online education. And then we train instructors on top of that. Are you looking to further your career in education? Teach Now offers a convenient online teacher preparation and master's degree program completed anywhere in the world. Reach now for Teach Now. Ain't no time for defeat now. Teachers get off your seats now. Future generations need you now. Work with people all over the world in a collaborative, activity-based teaching environment. To learn more, visit teach-now.edu. Expertise that is really outside of the box. Emily, I want to talk about uh, moving into the future, into the world of tomorrow, because it's something you mention a lot, you know, kind of a strap line for Teach Now, preparing tomorrow's teachers for tomorrow's students. What is your view? And I think you've got to be careful. Try and be very, um, how should we say, short and to the point with this. What is your view on the future of education? Uh, and I think maybe the best way is to think of actually are there going to be classrooms in the next 50 years? And what are we going to be seeing in them? Um, because it's a real head spinner when you think about it. Um, I think there will be classrooms. I think there will be places, physical places, where students will come and teachers will be there. Um, I think those places will will be more open space. Uh, I think the teachers mm. will be people who are not standing in front of a classroom with rows of students in front of them dispensing knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. So, but I don't um, fear it. You know, I, I think that teachers are more and more going to have to be able to problem solve. I can't say Absolutely. that enough times. Um, yeah. I think they're really going to have to be people who are equipped, enabled, and empowered to walk into these physical spaces, um, be they with desks in them or not, uh, and be able to diagnose where those learners are coming from and come up with uh, learning experiences that ensure that those kids learn, grow, and develop. Um, and the content may be what they learn on the internet. You know, it, it may be direction too. So I think, I think classrooms of the future will have a lot more 
uh, handheld devices uh, and and I don't know, hopefully still laptops and bigger screen things than something you hold in your hand. But uh, but I, I think that classrooms will exist and I think school buildings will exist because there needs to be a formal place where people go to learn and learn how to learn mm-hmm. um, and learn how to think and learn how to reason that is again what separates our species from all the other ones is our ability to reason and that does not come automatically i think Mm. people really do need to learn how to learn and be reasonable and how to go from a to z with thought processes. Um, And in the meantime, that knowledge acquisition determination by schools will probably not play the role it has in the past. I mean, I, I think there will be a day when we won't say, this is what a fourth grader needs to learn while they're in the fourth grade. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's something I learned through the Teach Now program was was the four C's, you know, these 21st century life skills. And, and I actually think there's something that really resonates. It's, um, you know, communication and collaboration and critical thinking and creativity. Now, whatever you're studying or, or, or learning, uh, those skills um, in a problem solving setting, uh, in a collaborative, say, project based type system uh, i just think are absolutely critical as we move forward because you know let's look back in the last 50 years emily things have just changed so much and there's nothing telling us that the speed of change is going to decrease if anything it's going to increase so my we need we need problem solvers out there because uh, and we need firefighters and and fire creators Uh, and uh, i i i really feel um that uh, i i feel education is is going through a revolution i i really do and that's why i'm so excited to be a teacher um in the on the ground you know just to see Mm -hmm. it um Mm -hmm. and it's just another thing that teach now really feeds into i I think this big change that we're seeing so okay wonderful stuff and and again a topic uh, we could discuss for hours um (laughs) certainly for sure um one one thing i want to pick up on here comes into my mind all this wireless technology we're now using emily um have you ever taken a look at studies or the uh, you know the kind of rhetoric that suggests that we may need to be a little careful with all this emf radiation that's now filtering through our bodies um not just in the home but also now through our children at schools um is there anything you can say on that or is it something you haven't really come across um i have come across it but i don't i'm not worried about it um i'm a big believer in evolution um <laughs> And I I think that there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of changes that I've seen in my 78 years. Um, Mm. And things that my father, for example, was afraid of have already happened and come and gone and we're all still here. Um, So I, I think 50 years from now, 
um, I won't be here, you will be probably. Um, but whatever we, whatever evolves will be the result of survival of the fittest. And that's the basic underpinning of evolutionary theory is survival of the fittest. Um, so I don't worry about it. I don't worry uh, about it. Well, you, you, you'd definitely be a proponent then of the robot teacher um, in, in 2081, uh, no longer human anymore. Uh, in you go. And um, it's Mr. Robot uh, taking class today. Emily, where is Teach Now heading? In a previous pod, you alluded to a growing market in international schooling and, uh, and Teach Now candidates now from outside of America. Is this where TN's heading, Teach Now, um, for this marketplace? Or is it evolving into something else you may want to reveal? No, I, I think Teach Now has a long, long, long life ahead of it because it was designed from day one to be flexible and ever-changing. So I think its basic um, model of preparing and its basic mission and the vision was always to be ahead of the game, to be futuristic, to be thinking ahead in preparing tomorrow's teachers for tomorrow's students in tomorrow's learning world. So 50 years from now, that will still be the case. Um, what it will look like will probably be very different than what it looks like today, but I think it will always be project activity-based collaborative learning mm -hmm. to teach. Okay, and on a more personal level, where is Dr. Emily Feistritzer heading? Any sign of retirement? Multi-billion dollar business? Why don't you go and enjoy yourself away from work? <laughs> you say you're keeping an open mind. Where, 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 yeah. where are you heading, Emily? Well, I don't um, like the word retirement, so I don't <laughs> intend to ever. I don't know what that means. Uh, I have no intention of doing nothing that doesn't appeal to me. Um, I hope to, in whatever forms it takes, uh, to continue being a visionary part of Teach Now for the rest of my life. Um, I also intend to be an author, so I, 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 I have a longstanding desire to be a writer. So I hope to, um, there, there are lots of people who can run Teach Now. Um, so if I can be in the visionary role and the futuristic role of Teach Now and uh, have some time to write, I will be a very happy person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Well, that I think that would be a very good read. Um, something uh, has got to be it's got to come out in the next 10 years, I'm sure. So I look forward to receiving uh, a signed copy. Uh, maybe we can give one to, to one of our, our many listeners. OK, uh, wonderful stuff. Now, now Emily, uh, you are quite uh, magnificent and unique in all that you've done. And uh, I think I couldn't but finish this podcast with asking a 78 year old CEO in America um, some tips, uh, one tip or a few on on how, you know, you keep that zest for life. Um, secret tips for longevity from Dr. Emily Feistritzer. Give us, uh, give us something gold. Dream big and don't believe in failure. The only <laughs> thing failure is, is somebody gets disappointed. And sometimes it's you and sometimes it's somebody else. But that's all it is. 
Um, so my, my admonition to everybody at every age is at least one time every day, dream something that you would like to see happen. And who knows where it will take you. On a physical nature, on a physical plane, is there any amazing uh, vitamin or special recipe that you like to put into your body every day? <laughs> I don't know. The dogs, I don't know. What, what else could you possibly give us here? But some of us well, could maybe go. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, physically, I have an annual physical, and every time I go, the doctor says you have the body of a 30-year-old. Um, I attribute a lot of that to having spent my teens and 20s in a convent, um, mm. in a boarding school where we grew our own vegetables and raised our own uh, meat, and we did eat meat. Um and no bad things ever entered my body when I was a teenager in my 20s, meaning alcohol or drugs or anything. Um, so I, I've, I'm gifted um, by virtue of my genetic makeup. But for what keeps me youthful and, and healthy is that I just only eat when I'm hungry and I eat healthy things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a fanatic about exercise. Uh, I've tried many gyms, but I really hate them because I don't like mm -hmm. to be in a gym with a lot of other older people. It makes me yeah. depressed. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm a dog walker um, and I do yoga and that's how I live my life. It's, it's, I'm very focused on health, healthy eating and getting moderate exercise um, and I like um, to be quiet and meditative. I know how to do that and I think it comes in very handy in staying healthy and living a, a, a good healthy long life. So I'm grateful every day. Gratitude is important every single day of my life. I consciously um, remember how very, very grateful I am for who I am, for everything I've ever done in my life, for the people mm -hmm. who have been in it. Um, gratitude is a really, really important thing for people to have. It doesn't matter how poor you are or how rich you are or how much education you've had or don't have. Um, there is so much to be grateful for in everybody's life. And it, it really, I think, helps us um, get through it better to remember the things that enable you to be who you are. If you're an English-speaking teacher from anywhere in the world and you have a bachelor's degree but need an official and accredited teaching license to get a job, get a visa to teach abroad, or most importantly to learn all those things you wish you knew before you stood in front of 30-plus students, then reach now to Teach Now and secure a professional U.S. District of Columbia license in as little as nine months. Online in no time, low cost, high quality, Teach Now. Get in the game. Immediately receive a $100 discount of your tuition by signing up to the Teach Now program by the link www.teach-now.edu forward slash China Jedi. May the smile be with you.